0: Welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast. We are here for our preview of Round Three of the Rugby Championship, where South Africa will be playing Argentina in Johannesburg, and Australia will be playing New Zealand in Bledisloe One at the MCG. So, an epic wow. weekend of rugby coming up. Sean, I'm here with you today. Um, we are the two uh, men left on the ship today for for Rugby Bits. How are you doing, Sean? I'm very good, my man. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Sean we, yeah, I, I said I didn't, or we realized we didn't have a, a first phase. We'll get better with that, we promise. My fault. But I My do, fault. No, 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 no. It's it's a team, it's a team effort. But <laughs> I want to do a little game with you. I want you to pick your poison on the Oof. worst um, worst journalist or like worst like interview exchange of the last few days in um sort of in the rugby world. So A. Um, Australian journalist Christy Doran asking Eddie Jones if he takes any inspiration from the England cricket team and their baseball approach. And Eddie Jones answering, We don't have we don't take any inspiration, or I don't take any inspiration from England, mate.
1: That's B. that's up there. Okay, sorry.
0: <laughs> B Eddie Jones claiming that if the if the All Blacks lose, he did this today, if the All Blacks lose, then the economy goes down with it.
1: Which yes. is interesting.
0: <laughs> <Beautiful>. <laughs> Or see um, a, uh, a not so well known magazine covering rugby in South Africa, um, discussing how much each rugby player would get if they opened an OnlyFans account. Mate,
1: I, I literally, I thought it was bullshit. I, I saw
0: this,
1: I saw this on my feed, and I'm like, this is, this is bullshit. Someone's been hacked. I, I, I don't know. I just I I couldn't, and like I mean, Ches and Colby's <laughs> misses and Sir Khaleesi's misses have both been out on social media handing it out to people in the past that have kind of stepped out of line like they're they're epic Ooh. they're epic supporters of their of their husbands. imagine they added Altinyanchis to that, imagine the shit that would cause like <laughs> i'm <laughs> i do, mate so just. The question, the way I first understood it, I would have to say it would be that first one against with Eddie Jones. How an Aussie can ask another Aussie whether he gets inspiration from England is diabolical. Like, There's no connection there. I know Eddie Jones used to coach there, but the Aussies are so flippant patriotic. It was an absolute, it was a shitty one. But yeah, I... At least this was maybe this other one with the OnlyFans. Well, it wasn't an interview. That was an absolute thumbsuck. Like, did they run? <laughs> like, were they running polls somewhere? Like, wh- what? How did they get this information? I don't want to know. So, don't. It's a rhetorical question. I don't. I really don't <laughs> want to know. Like, I just couldn't really. Like, it's it's not even an interview. That's basically we're short of content. Let's uh, whip up something to get people to talk about. So look completely I mean, look, not I mean, rugby related but try and make it rugby related
0: look i i know a few we know great people that work in sri being great journalists so it's not we're not um oh, i shouldn't have mentioned them but we're not going to paint them all with the same brush but i mean i guess obviously this is clearly for clicks but like this is a test week it's not like it's a quiet week in rugby that is know, exactly no one's talking about anything that is exactly what i thought like the
1: Springboks have been announced. There's like there's always going to be controversy around it because we literally have two teams that can go to a World Cup. Like so, you, everyone's fighting for places. The it's Bledisloe one. Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones is wor- worth ten days worth of content in one interview alone. Like you can't tell me that Eddie Jones is not going to get you clicks in South Africa. He is. The All Blacks are going to get you clicks. Like there's all of this all of this stuff happening. Like I don't understand. I just don't. It's beyond me. But that—that that is such a massive point. Like that's the first thing I thought. Like uh, Scotland are playing Italy this week. Um, Samoa, G- Fiji, also. Like there's loads. There's so much going down. Um, I mean, our neighbours, Namibia. They're they're playing this weekend. Yeah, like, I
0: guess in, an Argentine invitational 15. team. Yeah,
1: but like there's. There's stuff happening you're bang on you're bang on like it's not like it's a quiet week if this was last week i totally get it like there were two games <laughs> being played in um samoa fiji japan and tonga were playing there was only those two games totally get it on a on a like end of the week springbok test Nah, come
0: on <laughs> Yeah, well, if you do want to see how much Siakolisi would make if he opened an OnlyBox or an OnlyFans account, you can, you can find that article on Twitter somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, interestingly, the top five, it basically also just set up who the top five most followed um, players on Instagram are. Not uh, relatively surprising in some ways to me, but I didn't realize that Siakolisi was basically number one by by a little bit of a distance there. And then it's I just get I would it would be a no-brainer. Is he? I mean, I yeah, I I guess so. Fair enough. But I didn't realize like worldwide, and he'd have a bit of a distance to it as well. And then number two internationally is Bowden Barrett. Then Quade Cooper. Then Antoine Dupont. And then apparently Chisenk Colby. So yeah.
1: So we've got two South in the mix.
0: Yeah, well, let's see how that goes down with their wives.
1: Would Fuff Fuff make money considering he's literally had his tackle out since 2019 anyway?
0: I mean, look, I'm not, obviously, this is going to go out to the whole world, so I don't want (laughs) to say something that incriminates me, (laughs) but I genuinely don't know how this world works, but I assume... Yeah, I mean, if he got some premium access to it, et cetera, et cetera. But I guess the only problem is, like you said, Sean, we've kind of seen the whole S.A. Speedo thing already. So he we has know. to go another step, unfortunately, for him.
1: <laughs> and and us.
0: Yeah, uh. I mean, I was I was sad Franja Maladba wasn't on this list because I wanted to... Do an only France joke, but you know we'll have to wait for another time. Oh,
1: brilliant! There's a market. There's a market for the big guys. Surely there is. Like there's a market for every <laughs> everyone. So, but they should no. have done. They should have done propels, But an only France account. That is the best. We can name yeah, this well, podcast the, ma- the Only France podcast.
0: <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, that magazine will research that. Well, Sean, we have um, well three of the four teams named at, at the time of recording this. Uh, we're waiting for the Argentine team, which will probably come out um Thursday evening, according a few hours before that. But obviously we start with the Springboks. They announced their team that is playing on Saturday against um the against Los Pumas in Ellis Park. It's their last home game before um the Rugby World Cup. It's a mix of it's a good mix of the two teams that played against Australia and New Zealand. Um you have some of the mainstays and pretty much the first choice players likes of Kitzov, Maladaba, Itzebeth, Peter Steff, uh, Damon Dialendi, and Colby, and Vili LaRue. And then you have a mix of players that are maybe trying to either stake their claim to either get into the squad or to go up the rankings or whatever the case may be. But I think the biggest story, Sean, at least in my books, is Grant Williams being picked at nine for the Springboks. It's his first start for the Springboks. He's only had two caps off the bench. He's... He's played pretty well off the bench in both of the games. He's added a lot of pace. We know how fast he is. This seems like, for granted, it could actually be almost a trial match for him. I mean, at least how I'm calculating things, if Williams can put in a good performance on Saturday, he might actually put himself in that top three um, conversation for the scrum-offs and maybe push someone like Goebbels Korn- Reinach out. Um, Sean, what do you think about the selection of Grant Williams and yeah, his chances to actually make the big dance later?
1: It's it's a statement by the Springbok coaches that basically saying there is a, a, a spot open or you you have you have a chance to to make us think about it more. The best thing for me is he, as you've mentioned, is he hasn't started. So we've spoken quite a bit about like the different roles of starting and a, and a bench nine player, he's like a quintessential bench nine in terms of that he'll come on, he doesn't have to kick too much and he can just run people to death. We're so used to seeing that from 2019 and and, and onwards. So things have changed now. We saw against the All Blacks how Fuff kicked surprisingly little, while well, the Springboks did. Um, so it leans me to think that, that possibly doing that. However, I was completely wrong, excuse me, leading into that game. So what they might be doing is just putting guys into different environments to see how they cope. Like there's no point in having a guy on the side that can only play off the bench. Like you would need someone. So there's a good chance we might go back to kicking this weekend and kicking more accurately and and more often with a plan. But there's also a very good chance that um, they, and as, as Jacques Ninaba said, he said, Everyone has like a plan and a framework, but then there's opportunity for everyone to go and do their thing, which is the best thing that could ever happen. Like you can be too structured and then you can be not structured at all. But there is that happy medium. Like if you're in certain spaces, you do certain things. But if the opportunity is there, go and go hard. And we've been lacking that for a long, long time, like for decades. And and the best example is the All Blacks. They do that like they will hurt you from from behind their try line if you if you're not concentrating whereas many other sides will kick out regardless of what's on so yeah i'm super pumped and i agree with what you're saying in terms of that i think that that is the biggest talking point and i think it's the biggest positive out of this side and i'm super pumped like i'm a big fan i think he's probably the fastest man in rugby so He's got a great shot of going to the World Cup because he covers wing, like. But he doesn't just cover wing; like he's absolutely lightning. So, yeah. Um, anyway, I just hope that he. Oh, I was going to say, I hope he doesn't snipe off the first opportunity he gets. But hell, man, go for it if it's on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, and I think just to take a step back with the uh, how the state of play is for the South African scrum mobs. So. I think before the season started, or before the test season started, I think everyone would have had Jaden Hendricks and Fafdeklack as their first two um, scrum ops. And then Gwibbis has been the player that's been used the most as that third choice, the play, player that comes in if there's injuries. He's sort of gone above someone like, for example, Herschel Yankees, who's now seemed to have basically fallen to fifth choice. And then Grant Williams has, you know, through strong... Um, performances in the urc has put himself in the conversation as well so obviously um has been injured for the last few months he's also was given some personal time away from the squad so he wasn't able to play these first two and now this test as well so there's a maybe a bit of a gap there about not knowing just how you know where if hendrix can can come back to top form at least in time for the world cup but I think for all intents and purposes, at least in my mind, I think he's probably going as long as he's fit. Pavdi like we know he's going to be one of the top three scrum-offs. We know he can do it um, as a starting nine, off the bench. He has the experience. He has the combination with Pollard. We know what he brings. So I think there is an interesting conversation about the third choice scrum-off, who's likely going to be the player that 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 plays definitely in both of the Romanian Tonga games if everyone's fit and we'll probably start at least one of those games for in all likelihood. So with, and I think you're right there Sean about Grant Williams being given a chance to start. It's okay. Let's say you play against Romania, not, not the strongest team in the world by any means, but you still need to start the test match in the way that a test match is started. You have to kick well, you have to pass well, you have to make good, the right decisions. You have to tackle well. And if you're not able to do that, but you're just able to do the sniping off the ground and, and make runs, I mean, sure, that will help when the game opens up, regardless of the opposition. But you need those structural things to help you execute while well as a scrum off. And I mean, also, and probably more importantly, just as injury cover. So if Faf Declay can't play, and it's now Hendricks and Grant Williams um, in a match day 23 against Ireland or something like that, and Williams for whatever reason, has to play 40, 50 minutes. We have to know that Grant Williams is able to at least execute the game plan and you know be able to you know kick, run, and pass you know, as well as possible. So my concerns about Williams is, as we know, great run of the ball. nothing he doesn't short on anything with regards to his general rugby skills. Don't think he's the best kick in the world. I think his box kicking and um, kicking out of hand isn't as accurate as possible. His passing isn't really the best as well. So I would be concerned if he had to like play serious minutes against, you know, the 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 top four teams or the other top four teams in the world. But yeah, I mean, there's and I mean Corpus Rainoch has that experience. He has played big tests before. He obviously was basically our scrum off for the tests against the Lions in the second and third test. But yeah, there's a good opportunity for Grant Williams to stake his claim and to and to leapfrog Raynerg. I think it's at least to me, I think the sum is pretty clear. And it's a uh, pretty clear, Williams, if you're able to take this opportunity with both hands, there is a place in the World Cup squad for you. And Goebbels Reinach at least will be within, within a call away because he plays in France. But yeah, there is a possibility that he falls out. I can't really see a world where both Williams and Rainach are picked and someone like, let's say, Hendricks is left at home. So it's going to be interesting how to see how this um, plays out.
1: Yeah, it's, I just want to, for everyone, and I know you didn't mean it, Tala, but he's he's not a bad passer. He's just, it's just probably a little bit off.
0: Remember, the big thing Sorry, quickly, Sean. mm. I was just going to say, like, out of the, let's say, five scrum-offs that have been picked by the Springboks, I, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think Grant Williams is probably either fourth or fifth in terms of passing out of hand debatable he's, but i think he's yeah it's, it's really fine
1: margins it's like super yeah. fine like it's a like a ball head difference but yeah, there's
0: no aaron smith that we have in south africa but yeah there is i yeah, think yeah. a difference between Faf passing and hendricks passing and grant williams passing
1: yeah you know the thing for me is obviously the game plan on saturday um it needs to be executed mm-hmm. Reinach started um the opening test of of the season and he didn't kick as much but i thought his distribution and what he what he did and how he was very quiet in that it was a game that we're not used to seeing him play and that and that was great and i think that's what's expected of williams like whatever the game plan will be is you you just you you're not going to be doing too much like today's the day that you 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 get clean ball like you just make sure that your forwards are protecting you and you play um if the opportunity there take it so I'm, I'm super pumped i think with regards to um Hendrick's, uh the only issue is for me, uh, the last couple of games, Springbok games he played, he was kicking. He was absolutely inch perfect. And that's what swung me on whether I wanted, whether I, whether I thought he should be there or not. Because his mm. kicking was by far the best out of any of our nines. He's comfortably, like, he's Aaron Smith good in terms of, uh, like, if you're talking about categories of passes, he's an Aaron Smith of kicking. So. The thing is, is he's got to play next week and against and against Wales the week later, um, just so he gets match fitness and gets going. And then we've got New Zealand and then into the World Cup. So mm. the only way that Jan Hendrikx doesn't make the World Cup squad is if something happens with his injuries. Because I think even if he's still trying to find his form, they'll probably still take him. That's that's the the issue the 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 the, the thing we have. So. If he re injures himself, I still don't think that Reinach and Williams are going because I think Herschel probably fits into that sort of, remember how I categorize him as that like starting nine and bench nine situation. But mm. all the tests that are happening recently could be um, with Reinach and, 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 and Williams is, is possibly to try and move around that. Like it's quite clear who the favorites are and who, who, the, who the coaching staff believe are the best. So, yeah, we'll we'll have to take it from there. But like it does sound a little bit negative. It's not. I think we're all just trying to figure out how we can sort this out. But if Williams has a good game on Saturday, the coaches have a massive headache. And I'll tell you what, he is not going to have a bad game. Like he doesn't seem like the nine that can have a really bad game. And it all depends on our on our on our how pack does. Um so mm. I'm quite excited. I think his form and him being in the Springbok squad for so long and, and just how everything's been going, I think it's not going to be too nervous for him, if you understand what I'm saying. Like, I don't think he's going to be um, starstruck or deer in the headlights. I think, I think we're, he's going to be settled. And that's exciting.
0: Yeah. Let's move to that pack that you discussed. And, I mean, some changes from the game against New Zealand. Um, we have Malcolm Mark starting um, in this game. So Morgan Monambi's moved to the bench. Uh, change in lock with Marvin Ari partnering Iab and Edzebeth, which, yeah, I think is a is an interesting change because that means you no know, Lur this week, who has, as we know, is part of the Japanese um, contingent of players that basically haven't played much since May. So, and Achis Neyman's there on the bench for lock. And then the loose trio is uh, uh, basically the loose trio, or oh, it is the loose trio that played against Australia. Um, in Loftus, which is Van Staden, Peter Steff, and Dwayne Vermeulen. Uh, Sean, any or which of those um, you know new forwards, um, Ari, Van Staden, Dwayne Peter Steff, or Malcolm Marks from last week's team, are you most excited or yeah, or most interested in seeing how they go on Saturday?
1: I'm ve- I'm super interested to see Ari have another another good game, just purely because I like the chaos. Um, a lot of people out there don't like him. <laughs> um, Uh, I'm pumped. And it's by no means a form thing, uh, but I would like Monami to start another game. Just, uh, I think that he needs more time, but having said that, he's probably, they're probably just giving him a break and then he'll come off the bench. The guys pretty much play the same amount anyway, (laughs) you know, because of the way we set Mm up in, uh, with our front row. So maybe that's not the, not the best comment. It's just, but Marx is, it's also great that we're swapping things around. So now I'm talking myself out of, my, out of my original thing because it was probably not the wisest thing to say. But it's great to see Mark start. It's great for him to get that go. And we're rotating our, our, you know, our hookers, so I'm cool with that. Ori for me is big. Van Sarin's going to be quite interesting um, because like realistically, I really think that he's very, very low down the pecking order um, to go because he effectively only covers one position whereas yeah so it's it's a tough one he's in such good form and we're just not set up for for him for a player like him at the moment um but you know he could sneak in it's a great story like I'm he's one I think he's the first springbok in like forever that didn't go through the regular pathways like didn't Craven Week didn't this didn't that didn't everything and then he he just stuck to it and went so that's that's awesome but our Lucy's together they're they're great they Dwayne and everyone made and made an effort when they came off the bench everyone did flipping well against Australia like our pack is confident and looks good it really does I think I think it's very nicely balanced I think our bench is very nicely balanced as well like there's really no reason why we shouldn't be holding our own and winning in certain places i think our scrums are going to kick off a little bit i think they're gonna i think we might hurt them in the scrums and uh they won't be expecting it
0: yeah i mean look i mean argentina sorry not australia Argentina's scrum is, scrums have been haven't been good really um the past few years now i think yeah if you still rely, if you still say Argentina scrums are good, you're relying on that stereotype. It hasn't really been producing for them. But in saying that, they're probably going to get um, um, Slavi, the prop for or the reserve prop for La Rochelle, back into at least the 23 because all of the Argentine players that were um, playing late in the top 14, they finished their sort of break and mini preseason that they had. Um, so. Michael Cheka talked about it that basically gave those players about six weeks off from their last game so that they can have some time off. And then basically, so three weeks' time off and then three weeks to ramp them up. So the props will be closer to their first choice, but I still think that um, Kitsov, uh, Marks and Malharba, and then Bonambi, Nyakane and Vincent Koch, they won't have too many issues with that. Um, Sean, uh, to follow up on your on your point about Van Staden, I did make the point on on social media this week that there's in all likelihood a team will basically take about ten locks and Lucys to the rugby world cup. Maybe nine, maybe eleven, but most probably ten. And if I can read sort of the ten Lucies in order that I or ten locks and Lucies in order that I think the box will take, it is Eben Ezebeth, of course. Um, Ludiocha, Achis Neyman, Franco Mostert, and then Siakolisi, Colisi, Peter Sef Dwayne Vermeulen, Guaca Smith, Jasper Visa, and then the 10th one, I would say you get another lock in Marvin Ori so that he can cover for Mostert basically being our second choice um, blindside flank. So the likes of Marco van Staden, Jean Klein, Jean-Luc DuPrier. Dion Ferri, if he's not being taken as a third choice hooker like it's there's very small chance I see of them entering the squad because that group of ni- let's nine of the ten are pretty much set I, I can't see them not going and then Ori provides cover because he can go play number four and number five mm. and he'll probably be the one that plays with let's say Sneyman in those games against you know Tonga and Romania and such and Mostert will basically see himself be at least in the group stages the second choice seven, I think more so than him being a um, a lock. So how the squad shape is shaping up is I think von Staden only gets on the plane either if he go, performs out of the socks and Guacan Smith has some horrible performance, and but the box will take a lot of risks because Guacan Smith can basically cover six, seven, eight and 11 and 14. Um, yeah. And for starting, like you said, and only 22 and 23. <laughs> <laughs> and 20, I'm, sure can, I'm sure you can play off as well. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, you know, and then the other way, uh, and I don't see this happening, is maybe the only loose forward that doesn't really cover multiple positions in the settled group is Jasper Visa. But I can't see a world where Visa doesn't go to the World Cup. I mean, He's been we're basically take, our number eight for about two. We're taking and a half two at least. We're taking yeah. two eights. And listen. Well, you can see like, Quacha's an eight, I guess. Yeah,
1: but but Quacha's he's he's a like a bench eight. But yeah, like uh, listen, it wasn't so long ago when everyone was telling everyone that Dwayne Familia must retire and now they all want him to start and drop <laughs> visits bonkers. Like yeah. this ro- emotional roller coaster. Like I shouldn't even open social media to just see these things. It's bizarre. People mm-hmm. are so like short sighted. But there's no I do not believe for one second that Jasper Vista is not going. And I'm telling you now that I still believe that in any crunch game, if it was a crunch game tomorrow, Jasper starts. I, yeah. I really, I really feel that. Like I think, um, you know, he's he had one so-so game, and it was everyone's so-so game. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> he's been ripping the shit out of it for Yonks. And now everyone's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs>
0: what? Shut up. Yeah, the other, and basically the only realistic way I see Van Staden or Fere basically joining is if Siakolisi doesn't recover from his injury, but it it looks pretty much like he's going to be available to play in those warm-up games in Europe. So, yeah, I yeah I think Van Staden, the only thing he can do maybe on Saturdays to make it really hard to drop him. So, I mean, the ball is in his court, he can play really well, he's going to be playing against obviously a game um, Argentina lose trio so yeah I think the the ball is in his court to at least make the decision as tough as possible
1: let me ask you a question hmm. if Unstaden goes who whose place does he take
0: yeah I can't see a, a, a place that he takes
1: no but That's let's say well, I'm telling is. you I'm telling you he's going so who's who, who are you taking him in place of
0: yeah <laughs> I would make that sound first, and <gasps> then I would. <laughs> I would probably say I. I, I can't drop Guaca. I mean, I was so anti Guaca like a few years ago. I, I remember I mean, that. <laughs> I. I'm sure I called them like you know seven squabus I mean like, <laughs> but. I can't see a world uh-huh. where the box don't take him I think Guacas are now best twenty three even like he's the perfect, you know, impact player, bomb squad, whatever you want to call he's it.
1: He's a line out option as well. Eh? Don't forget that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the the, 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 the small and the big things that he does in the game when he comes on are, are, are big for a team. I would probably say Jasper Visa, just on the base. That he can't cover, Just on the really? base that he can't cover seven or eight. Because wow. you need, you need five locks in the box. squad. So who, who, who are your eights
1: then? Only Dwayne and Quanta.
0: Quaker plays eight against Tonga in Romania. Yeah, wow. But I mean that, like, like I said, I's that's. I don't see that happening at all. I don't. No, no. I'm am ju- just
1: finding yeah. out. I, I, I was actually asking. Would you? I, what would you do? I, I wouldn't drop Quaker. I thought you would have dropped Quaker, and I, that's where I wanted to. Do, I wanted to check. There's no ways I drop Quaker either. But I, I tell you, if Van Staden does make the pack for the World Cup. It'll be in the place of um of um one of our hybrid lock Lucy's. So yeah. probably But then probably Mosted. But
0: then Sean, who plays seven when um Peter Steph isn't playing? Like of then basically yeah, has yeah, to Puffin either play... will go
1: there or or Khaleesi will go there. Or Dwayne yeah. could even go there. Um
0: Urgh.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I'm I'm just, I'm, 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 listen, we're obviously like, we're we're not exactly the Springbok coaches making decisions here. So all of you can listen, but Mm. it's an interesting conversation, but yeah, yeah, it does, it does cause, it does cause a bit of, a bit of, a bit of problems, but it was, it was actually very interesting to get the creative juices flowing. I won't lie. I thoroughly (laughs) enjoyed that brief little chat.
0: Yeah. Look, I think, in some ways, the Bach coaches have shot themselves in the foot a little bit by putting their colors to the mast of Mostert being our second choice seven. Like, I, don't, it might I have actually been don't to... think
1: that's a problem, by the way. I really do No, I don't. mean, it's
0: good. It's a good op. My point is more that obviously it's a good option. We know he can do it. We know that obviously, if Peter Steff isn't available, we've got a, pretty much the, the, <laughs> the most prototypical Peter Steff player. That we can get, but the, the the reason why I say it is like you now have to take five locks because we now don't really have another option for that. So if let's say Jean-Luc Dupree or low or whoever was seen as the second choice seven, then you could take four locks because Mostert would be basically the second lock, and he would hmm. be um, him when an Arje would play the Tongan Romania games. And then he wouldn't really—he'd be in the 23 off the bench for the for the Scotland and the Ireland games. But now, because Mostyn has to play number seven basically in these um, pool games in the, against um, Tonga and Romania, then he can't really, you know, play lock in the other game. So you you're a bit stuck. So you need Ori to or someone to cover that um, other locking spot. So I think that was maybe somewhere where we did checkmate ourselves a little bit. But I mean, you're not you're not complaining if that's the 10 that you're taking to the World Cup.
1: Yeah. Uh, a little off topic. Um, but you mentioned um Joseph Dweber just now. Now, sorry, you didn't mention Joseph Dweber, you mentioned our third.
0: Because, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking now, like when I mention him.
1: So I mentioned him in my mind. I'm like, ooh, mental note, must talk. Very yes. I'm very interested that we haven't seen any other hooking options, um, whether it's fore or Dweba. So I uh, that leads me to think that we're taking Dweba as your third choice hooker. I think yeah. what they're doing is is be like, cool, we're gonna keep you on ice because you are essentially our third choice and you just got work-ons and you've just got to be fit and be ready because we need Monambi and Marks fit and then his first game back in the season will probably be in one of those one of those smaller games, possibly against Wales, but um, or to be fair, maybe even next week. But we, I do think that we have to we have to try another hooker soon. So I would say third choice hooker plays either next week or the week after, and then our next hooker, the one that we want to have game time, just to get back play into form. Also plays, Do you, if you understand what mm-hmm. I'm
0: saying. Yeah, D- Dweber did was on the bench against Australia, so he at least had uh, oh, what twenty sheesh, or so minutes it. there. I'm sorry,
1: no, it was I mean, chaos that game.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: but I think the point is uh, is true, and I, 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 I it also if Dwe- if i um, sorry, if Dion Fury was going to be our third choice hooker, which has been kind of rumored and the Springbok coach have kind of implied like over the last like eight to nine months, he would have played a game at two by now. I mean, to the point where the Springboks last season, when Greber was basically dropped or like basically, he went back to his club side to work on his throwing and um, Bonambi wasn't available. Marks basically played 80 minutes (laughs) in the two Argentina games. Because they mm. didn't really want to play Fleury at at two, he, he played at the at flank, and I can't, I don't think Fleury has played at hooker since twenty twenty or twenty nineteen. So it's literally now been a World Cup cycle. So
1: I, 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 I think th- that that is a super emergency emergency option.
0: Yeah, so, but but yeah, I think I think the ship has sailed. Basically, that Dion Fleury is going to be taken as the third choice hooker.
1: Yes, agree. I, I agree totally.
0: And we yeah. don't have he's another hooker. Now. Yeah, so he's either so dweber's gonna get picked, I assume. And he'll yeah, probably, like his, he probably said will play next week.
1: Yeah, the a couple of guys that have been flirting around there, but no one's in the squad. So it's kind of mm. I think that's our those are hookers. Done and dusted.
0: So fari either gets picked as a loose forward or he doesn't get picked, essentially. So yeah, I think the other interesting uh, tidbits, uh, well, I think we've delayed enough without talking about Mr. Controversy himself, or at least controversial to fans, which is our outside center, Mr. Jesse Creel, um, who always gets the the Twitters going or the tweets going when um, he gets picked. I mean, Sean, we I mean, I think anyone that listens to the Rugby Biz podcast knows our feelings on JC Krill and how much we think he's a valuable player and especially his value in defense. And I mean, it's quite clear, at least from some of the interviews that he's done on social media, that he's also a really good team guy, which is important for a rugby World Cup squad. So yeah, I don't think there's much of a debate and there's really any other options here, um, as to, you know, is there someone else Krill or no Creel, but, krill <laughs> or no Creel. Um, but I think the interesting- <laughs> You just half five yourself there. That is brilliant. <laughs> that was sensational. <laughs> Title for the pod. Yes. But um, the, I think the interesting thing, and I mean, also, I think these are one of those 5% chance of, of happening is, obviously, we've talked about Lukanyu-am and his, let's call it, iffy form. In the sense that he's not playing at his hundred percent best. I still would take eighty percent of Lucanyo arm over most outside centers in the world. But there is an opportunity for Jesse Creel to at least put himself into the conversation here. Because I mean, if Am's knee, as we suspect, isn't fully at a hundred percent and he has to be either managed or, you know, I or the team has to make a tough decision in a big game to go look um, is now at not 80%, he's not 70%. We need to make an alternative. Yeah, I think this is a, a, a big game and a game for Jesse Creel to at least put himself in the conversation, which would lead to more tweets, obviously, about him. But yeah, I think this is a, a interesting game for, for Creel because he could actually, you know, I'm not saying he's going to play himself into the starting 13 jersey for Scotland, but he can at least put himself in that conversation of, hey, look, hey, you know you don't have to go for 50% of arm um or 60% of arm um. you've got you know a 50 odd cap springbok over here that can do the job
1: it's it's not even a, a question of like him putting his hand up we we have we have a 13 that is comfortably the best 13 second best 13 in south africa so yeah we posted um rugby bits Facebook page posted something about Jesse Krill and it absolutely blew up, but it, it was more <laughs> that picture of him where he's stretching where he's just like muscles everywhere. And it said, Jesse Krill doesn't miss leg day. And, uh, that's what 180 comments are all about the fact that he doesn't pass and doesn't tackle. So, um, so I got, uh, I got to be in my bonnet and I went to go look at some stats and some information and stuff like that. And over the last three rugby championships, excluding now, Jesse Krill has an 84% tackle completion rate. So he has played wing and center. Yes, he has. But he's not a shit tackler, let's be honest. The biggest thing, the biggest attribute to Jesse Krill's game is his defense. The thing is, he's mm. also played 15. So he does have an attacking mindset, but he's an, ins, he's an inside playing 13. I, I, I like to refer to him. So uh, like Rico Ioani is an outside playing 13. Like Rico Ioani will look for the mm. gap on the outside and you on the outside. Jesse's happy to, to run that inside line. Um, and Lukanya Am um does both, um, and so that's the thing. Lukanya Am um, over that same period has a tackle completion rates of sixty six percent. So we're all happy to look mm. over that. So I was having a chat with Jared about it offline, and just I just told him like, what do you what do you think about it and and everything, and he he, he told me that we're happy to have Lukanya Am um on his feet. We're in a better place when Lukanya Am's on his feet, like stealing, racking, and all that sort of stuff where if he misses a tackle, as long as we're covered, which we generally are just by our setup, um, when, when we're on form with our defense, by the way, but um, having Lukanya Um able to touch the ball or be on his feet is a better option, and where Creel can just shoot up and monster people, and so does Um. Um makes great reads and does that, but there's a lot of other stuff that we don't see about it. So we also are in this position now where we have Creel that could take the 13 starting jumper. And I'm not talking about forever, but I'm talking about we have the opportunity and the luxury of being able to manage Lacanio Am um leading into and during the World Cup. Like mm. we don't, our whole, everything is based on defense. And for those that say, look, uh, Jesse Krill can't attack like Lacanio Am, um, nobody can. Like we need to understand that, but, If there's one thing that you have to have as a 13, it's your defense. Your defense is primary to everything. Creel's also very well connected with a lot of guys that play in that team, whether they're playing outside or inside. And yeah, I I just don't get it. Like I don't get it. So (laughs) people are, are, they hate a conservative style player, but they're also the very first to bitch and moan when we lose the ball. So, we very seldom lose the ball when Damien Delendi takes it up or when Jesse Creel takes it up. Very seldom. Like, that is, that's the truth. And same with Lucania Am, but he's, a, he's we, just because of the talents that they are. But there's no one, like, I was chatting to someone. Someone was saying that, um, that Dan needs to get a start. I'm like, you, I'm sorry. Like, we're four games away from the World Cup. We're not starting at 13. perceive? Oh, okay. Yeah, he must start at 13 for the Springboks. I'm like, yeah, any other time, but not this year. Like he did have his <laughs> best season now, but no. other one was Ruan Nel. Ruan I wholeheartedly agree with. However, Ruan had his best season and then got injured and wasn't able to go on the end of year two at the SAA side. And then he missed half of this season due to injury as well. So, in any other world when we didn't have COVID and didn't have a Lions tour because that really hampered all of our stuff. Not that these guys were available and on form at the time, but we did hamper with that. So we've got Jesse Grill, but like I'm saying it like like it's a last of, it's not the last of, like he's a great player. He's good. He does his job. He covers, he's a glue guy and glue guys are so valuable. Coaches will pick glue guys over many other talented players because You need someone in your team and in your squad that is willing to die with the tackle bag for the team. And then when he plays, he commits and does everything. If you don't believe in that and the squad system, go and watch chasing the sun again, because they talk about (laughs) it. They talk about it. They talk about the value of it. Like don't be, have your blinkers on now. Like the thing is, I'm getting pretty worked up here. The thing is, is, is like, Everyone on socials is so like knee-jerk reaction. Like, oh, got to change this. This guy's cucked. Damien Delendi's cucked. No, I can't have this and blah, blah, blah. I mean, we would have had 30, we would have had three squad changes, let alone team changes if, if the fans got to pick. So, so yeah. Like, everyone's going to highlight an, an error that Ori and Creel makes on Saturday and Delendi because that's how they do it. And LaRue, they will all do that. But, yeah, we are where we are and I'm happy I'm happy Creel's getting a start I really am um i um, so I actually found out the reason why he ha- he didn't get he didn't start earlier or didn't get games earlier was he did pick up a red card in the Japanese I think it was the final or the semi-final he picked up a red card yes, so he was serving a suspension
0: um, clean out or a tackle right I actually can't remember
1: but he was serving a suspension and that's why he hasn't been available because I really honestly thought that he would have started against the All Blacks. I really do. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, I, I think it probably would have been a, bit, a better shout in hindsight. But you can't, you can't moan about having Creel at 13 and moan about our poor defence. You can't. Like, you've got to pick one because our defence will get tighter. That I can guarantee you.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think the only thing I have a beef with is the South African Rugby Union spending a. A round trip ticket on Jesse Creel if he wasn't able to play in the game I mean, yes, disappointment so it, uh, someone needs it, to investigate that <laughs> Well, so we we had two
1: passengers, so one was Dupin and, and the other one was Creel he's so a glue sh- guy, so maybe that's why he went. The same as why Sicalsi went. Glue guys. I mean Blue guys sure. and captains.
0: okay, but what, what okay, what does Jean luc do I, I swear. Rusty Rasmus has a beef with the Dupreev family and he's just trolling that family by just, you know, <laughs> picking his sons and not really playing them. I, I, I'm telling you, there's something there. But um, yeah, I think you've even hit the nail on the head there, Sean. And yeah, I think it's a,
1: yeah,
0: We'll I'm I'm sure we'll recycle this point. And I mean, look, DLND basically came out of this point this time four years ago, kind of went back to it now, but you know, there is an opportunity for redemption. And I think it'll be similar to what happened to Ron Pino. In about five or six years' time, Kirill comes back. He plays for, like, the Sharks or something. He looks great as a 30-odd-year-old. 30, year, 30 odd year old. And, yeah, everyone's saying how awesome he was when he was a Springbok. The last three very quick points I want to make about the team selected is, number one, Moni Lebach has been picked at 10. Good opportunity for him to really, hopefully without a shadow of a doubt, for the Springbok coaches. Become the second choice number ten. I think most people, except for the springboard coaches, consider him the second best ten in the country, and not Damien Willemser. So, yeah, I think it's a good opportunity for that to actually happen and materialize with another good game here against um, the Pumas. Secondly, Trevor Yarkanic gets his first selection after seven games. Yes, I think he's a um, big game for Trevor.
1: Yeah, well, yes. Yeah? I think he's going to go. Um, we just, I just need, I just need him to play, <laughs> like. <laughs> We need him. <laughs> so he needs to play and be fit. But, I mean, we do have a, a backup option, fortunately. But, yeah, he must play. I'm happy.
0: Yeah, I, I see the box taking six props just because of the whole sort of 40-minute bomb squad type of um, vibe. You, if you take five props, then there's going to be a prop that's going to play more minutes than you want them to. And Steven Kitsov has had enough of him being played in every game. Um. So, yeah, I can see Trevor... Um, still going. But yeah, it's a big game for him because there is that, op- that you know chance that he's not taken. Um, so he needs to have a good play, um, impact off the bench and hopefully he starts next week as well. And then the third thing is Cooks has been driving the agenda of um, the cutted wings with sc- scrum-offs <laughs> and we have both Koki, Ardinson, Ches and Colby on the wings. So yeah, ankles will be broken on Saturday. And yeah, speaking of ankles being broken, we see that the Argentinian squad has been chosen with Juan Martin Gonzalez playing eight who absolutely abused Vili LaRue last year in the, home, in the home game against the Springboks. He, Nightmares. Yes. <laughs> He's
1: just signed for Saracens know. as well. That guy's a talent. He's going to go very... We're, never, we're not going to hear the end of him? We're not, the only way this conversation stops is when Villi retires because Gonzalez is going to be around for a long time. <laughs>
0: You know, he's, he's very much near the top of my favorite players list. Like, I think he's a great player. And he's only 20, well, turning 23 this year. Um, yeah, so excited for Colby and, and then Cody But let's transition quickly into the Argentinian squ- squad, which has just been released as we are talking. So, yeah, quite a few changes. Um, the big highlights are with, um, they've picked um, Lucas Paulos to play lock. Uh, with Alemano, I think he's off injured. Um, they've stayed with the loose trio that won the game against Australia, which is Matera, uh, Grandona, and Juan Martin Gonzalez at eight. Made a change at number nine with um, Lautaro, Banza Vélez playing instead of um, Bertrino starting. And a few uh, big changes in the midfield with Chocobares playing. He's coming from that six-week playoff. So and yeah, he, he played really well for Toulouse in those last few weeks of the, of the, of the, of the top 14 um, playoffs. So it's Chocobatis and Sinti in the midfield, which is very interesting because they've basically been going for the last six years with De La Fuente and Moroni or De La Fuente, De La Fuente and Orlando. So it's interesting to see that they've gone with these two youngsters in the midfield.
1: I think think normally a good 13 as well, doesn't he? yeah.
0: So I'm yeah, I'm quite interested to see how this goes.
1: Yeah, there's opportunity at the season. I, I
0: smash. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think the Dela Fuente Moroni or Orlando combination is more of a conservative. We know what we're gonna get from them. This is a let's see what this what happens with them. So it could go really well, or at least for one of them or both of them, or it could crash down. But yeah. I mean, for Creel and there's opportunity to cause some chaos there. I mean, Cinti also, I think, plays mostly in the back three for London Irish, from from what I understand, also going to Saracens next season. And then um, Juan Cruz Malia is also in the team. Um, he's also, he was also in the Toulouse team for the top 14 finals. Um, he's at full back with um, Mateo Carreras in the one wing and Juan Imhoff on the other wing. Um, Emiliano Buffelli is not in the 23 this weekend, probably getting a bit of a rest. So, and as I mentioned, um, Joel Slavy is in the team as, on, on the bench as well. So, yeah, Sean, I mean, a lot happening in this Argentine team. I don't think they're, um, I think maybe Cheka knows what his um, starting 23 is somewhat, but I think it's basically there's still some places to play for in the team. I think. There's an opportunity for the centers, as we talked about. The back three isn't settled, since there's so much talent there. Number nine isn't settled. I think most positions, except for basically Hooker, number 14, or at least one of the wings when Buffelli plays, and Matera and Gonzalez are going to be part of your loose trio. Yeah, I think you can argue that at least half that team isn't really settled. So, Sean, I'm not sure what... I, number one, to expect from Argentina in this game. And number two, you know, like, yeah, how certain individual players are going to go. Because I think some players are playing for either places in the World Cup squad or places, um, at least in the starting team, for their biggest games.
1: Yeah, it, it is interesting. I, big thing and, and off topic, but Agustin Crivi is not playing. And uh, mm. I'm I'm super excited about that for two reasons. Um, He's a beast but he's actually on 99 test matches. So his next game mm. for Argentina will be his hundredth. And that means that he's going to be the first Argentinian to play hundred test matches and he's going to do it on home soil next week. So yeah. that's pretty epic, but yes. So with all the guys coming back into the mix, I think it was a case of, um, of checks just getting guys like from the in inverted commas, their stand down period. And just getting them to come get some game time and and just kind of dust the cobwebs off and you know get going they've also got a lot to prove and i've mentioned many times they love traveling so they have no problem with being in south africa um judging by how they were brying they're probably teaching a few of the locals (laughs) uh, a few of the locals how to how to how to organize dinner but yeah there a lot of untested sort of combos and a lot of changes plenty opportunity if i look at those two packs. I, I think we, we better just because we're more connected. And, uh, mm-hmm. whereas if they were, if they were on a roll, the Argentinian pack would be, would be pretty decent. So, uh, but yes, that the, the issue for the RGs is that we need to make is there, they don't, we need them to get their heads to drop early because, um, they'll have that there's so much going on. Like the emotions, there's always emotions when they play test rugby for their country but guys will be second-guessing a few things because of, of, of players inside and outside. So, yeah, um, uh, I think it's, it's just a, it's a means to an end for Chakes and not in a disrespectful way. I think it's about giving guys game time now um, and, uh, and seeing who fits in little gaps when there's sort of a, a coin toss between two players going to the World Cup.
0: Yeah, I, think, I don't think we'll see the full um, like first-choice Argentine like 23 play until the (laughs) opening game of the Rugby World Cup, I think there'll be a bit of chopping and changing up until that game on the 9th of September. So Argentina actually, interestingly enough, only has one warm-up game scheduled against Spain. um, Spain. Two weeks before the World Cup. Well, yeah, I assume in Spain. And yeah, that's after the game that they play against the Springboks next week. But I assume that game against the Springboks next week Montoya won't play. Matero probably won't play. You know, with Crevy coming in, I think uh, Marcus Kramer's suspension also ends by then. So I think next week time for him to be, be
1: suspended for the rest of the World Cup.
0: <laughs> no, he'll be on his best behavior. He'll save his crazy tackle for Samoa or something. But um, yeah, so I, I, it's going to be interesting. I think it's difficult to put much predictions on what you think Argentina will do. And there's, yeah, an opportunity here for players like Cinti and Chocobares and Mateo Carreras and um, Bazan Velez um, to put themselves up there for, for selection because I do, Argentina's on the side of the scale of not really knowing who their 23 is. The Springboks, for example, know who their match day 23 is. We can argue about certain things, but I think we all are aware who's at least 22 of the 23 players that will be picked in a big game. Argentina, it's a bit fluid. So I think there's opportunities there for a lot of players here to really put their hands up. And, I mean, last weekend or two weekends ago, they played really well against Australia. Checker made the point in an interview on the Good Bad Rugby that that was the first time Argentina dominated possession in a game and were able to play with the ball because last or last year in 2022, they're focusing on defense and their kicking game and trying to win the game from that, which New Zealand can tell you worked, and England can tell you as well. So this was sort of them, they're starting to put together their attacking game. So this will be very interesting to see how those two things mix. I think they're probably one year behind everything coming together, but they're also under that ticking time clock with the Checker 18-month rule So, yeah, again, very interesting to see how this game goes because, yeah, I think it's a big opportunity for some players to make a big statement. And like you said, Sean, the best way to beat Argentina is to um, take the contest away as quickly as possible. That's what New Zealand did really well in that first game in the rugby championship, opened up a 15 or 17-point lead very early. Game was over. Um, Australia didn't do that, and obviously Argentina won. So the longer Argentina's in the game and they believe they can win it, you know, the tougher your afternoon becomes. So a good fast start will be important for the box.
1: There's two blueprints we need to take. One, as you mentioned, is how the All Blacks suppressed the Pumas in Argentina. And that is with uh, with, with like a hard, fast start. But more importantly, the br- blueprint we need to take into this game is be more like we were against Australia. We, mm. we we historically have struggled with really putting teams away, but which we saw against Australia, which was great. And ironically, we left like probably 15, 20 points out there. But mm. we also very much play according to other teams. Now, when we went to that really bad slum, like we'd always be up, not always, but often be up for, against the All Blacks. And that was it. And everyone else could just have, their, have a field day with us. And that was because we'd always just kind of play according to another team. Like if they were bad, then we get dragged down into it. So if the blueprint that I want the Springboks to play on is not to get sucked into anything around there is just focus on your game plan, like wholeheartedly and just deliver. And once you deliver, it'll open up and then the guys on the bench are going to run right and everyone's going to applaud them and make them want to start because they didn't see all the work done in the beginning. <laughs> Rant over. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I want to see.
0: Yeah. I think the last things I'll at least say about this game is the Springboks can really target Argentina up front, as we've said, um scrummaging and uh, scrummaging their lineouts, they're rolling more. some It's definitely places where Argentina is not really that strong and in their kicking game because, yeah, Argentina, I mean, as I've said, I think a few times before, Santi Carreras' kicking is not really the best they have. A, Relatively inexperienced, number nine. You know, there's an opportunity for them to really put, you know, to dominate that the, the air like they well, which they failed to do against New Zealand last week. So, I mean, Leboque, um and Williams and and the players. I think if we do, the only problem that I have if we play, you know, more like we played against Australia is we're not going to play in a hard, fast field again until the end of the well until after the rugby world cup because ellis park and loftus are pretty much you know you're running rugby (laughs) type of like um temples because it's a hard fast field you can just you can kick really far you can go for days so i hopefully don't want them to fall into that trap of you know running them ragged i'd hope like you said sean they have to stick to the game plan if they are gonna try to play like that in France, I mean, okay, by all means, but it's obviously going to be a lot harder to do that, even though it's you know late summer in in, in Europe. But it's going to be harder to do that than it would be at Loftus Ellis Park. So yeah, I'm hoping to see, you know, good kicking from 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 um, the Springbok kickers, you know, Lebarque, Williams, Larue's been kicking a storm the last few weeks. Obviously, great chasing from the two wings, from Colby and Arunsa. And yeah, really strong up front, really try to grind them down. And then, yeah, once you do that and you lay down the foundation, like Sean said, then you can have some fun late in the game. But yeah, I think a, a start and a really good start could, could help the Springboks. Otherwise, yeah, you are you don't want the Materas and the Montojas thinking there's a chance. <laughs> That's when you can't put them away. Sean, any and final cool. thoughts on the Springbok-Argentina game? And,
1: and yeah, I'll give them a chance. And Gonzalez is sprinting down the line and Ville LaRue's having flashbacks. So no, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, I, I kind of admire that LaRue d- decides no thank you very early <laughs> in a tackle. <laughs> Probably not what you <laughs> want your <laughs> fullback to do. But but he got his, he I, got I, his no I, thank you I out the way it.
1: early this season, eh?
0: He <laughs> <You can laughs>
1: got it out early, which I'm happy about.
0: Look, if you talk about the, are you talking about the Faisal one? Yes, I mean he tried. <laughs> yeah, he tried on the other he one. He just, uh,
1: he's just, he's just. Ankles gave way. Well, there's lots of <laughs> ankle breakers on that field on Saturday, huh? Hey?
0: Yeah, no. This weekend's going to be if you're a defender, and you caught one on one with Kobe, Orans, uh, Imov, Carreras, Malia. Yeah, you're in trouble, man. <laughs> Gonzalez like we've talked about as well like there's definitely some good players look this game I think has the potential of being a you know not to make a prediction now or, uh, what the hell let's do it do I it. think this game could be a 40 to 30 type of game I think it uh, Jacques Ninoba, the defense coach will probably punch a wall but I think this could be one of those like you know try follows another try type of games we have like eight nine ten tries in the game
1: I'm going to say no and completely disagree with you. And for, <laughs> for all of you listeners, I've literally been ranting and raving on the WhatsApp group about how we always agree on stuff and that we need to find something we don't agree on. So we could actually may have a little bit of theater on, on the podcast, there we go. but I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you. And it's not even going to be cause much chaos. Our defense is going to be much better. And I am with you on the 40 part that's going to come from the spring box but I think Argentina are going to get between 18 and sort of 22. So they mm. are going to score, but I think our defense will be significantly better. We'll lay down that, um, that foundation for us to build on for the world cup, which I'm super pumped about. Cause I, I'm getting a bit nervous that our defense isn't <laughs> set yet. I'm getting very nervous, but um, yeah, I think, I think we score the 40. I think we concede significantly less.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, Nina will be much happier with that. So let's move to the Bledisloe Cup game. As we said, it's happening at the MCG. Close to 80,000 people are the expected G. to come to that to that match, which is very exciting. Um, Australia has a great record at the MCG against New Zealand. They've won two and lost one. Probably one of the few rounds in the world. It's where It's going to be New two and two at the end of this weekend. Record. Okay, hey, Sean, let's at least start previewing the game. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so New Zealand... 0. It's going to be a cricket score. 100 for naught after lunch. Um, New Zealand, not many changes that they've made to their team. Surprisingly, after months of slander, New Zealand is the settled team that knows what they're doing and all that sort of stuff now. Crazy. But yeah, Papali's coming for uh, Sam Kane, who has an injury... Um, Sam Whitelock has joined the bench and Luke Jacobson's in the bench. So that's the All Blacks. Australians have changed pretty much everything, on the other hand. So they have now their second different front row with um, Angus Bell coming in for James Slipper. Second different um, uh, lock combination with Frost coming back in for Arnold. Their third different loose trio with Holloway and Tom Hooper, not Michael Hooper. Tom Hooper playing six and seven with Valentini. So quite a tall loose trio. Their second different halfback combination, they've gone with the youth with um Tate McDermott and um Carter Gordon, who actually went to the same school in Sydney in Brisbane, apparently. Yeah. Um there's third different center combination with Karevi and Jordan Pataya coming back from injury. And then their third different back three combination. Um, with Andrew Kellaway coming in for Tom Wright, who's been dropped from the whole squad. Never mind, just from the 23, <laughs> which is crazy. And then Zai Parisi's on the it bench. Was all you, Antonio... though. No, I, I love Chaos Tom. <laughs> I really do. Uh... I think he's chaos, but I think he's a much better wing than you know most other options that the Wallabies are keeping for So yeah, I don't understand that. So Tupo's on the bench now, he's making his comeback into the Wallabies, Rob Liotta's on the bench, Nick White and Quade Cooper are going to bring some experience off the bench, and Isaiah Parisi's on the bench as well. Sean, yeah, I mean, look, Eddie Jones is predicting economic ruin for the All Blacks, but yeah, like you said earlier, I it's very, it's very difficult to see the Wallabies win with basically a rookie number 10. And so many changes happening in their team. Let's look at it this way. What would be, and if if not a good result, obviously, because they want to win the slow. what would be things that um, Jones is looking to see in the game that says, okay, we're on the right track. We can actually hopefully make a run in the World Cup.
1: Yeah, oh, I don't know, man. Going back to that <laughs> cricket analogy, the best part about it is... You know, South Africans and everywhere else in, in the world besides Australia, we, we give cricket scores as, like, 100 for 1. Um, but the Aussies do it, like, 1 for 100. And the Aussies are playing at home, so their 3 will be first. So it'll be 3, sixty eight. <laughs> 68. So, short. yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. The The big thing um, for me would would be just that that McDermott and, and and Gordon have a, have a decent game. And I th- I think the Aussies are going to get beaten, but they can still play well those two and, and be, and still be beaten. I think that's what they need. I think Quay Cooper needs a little bit of time on the bench. I would prefer to be on the bench last week and then came on. But, um, but yeah, I'm a big fan and, and he's just not quite been himself, which is odd, but um, he'll, he, he loves to play the Kiwis born there and everything and with all the abuse that he has copied in the previous, in his previous life. Yeah. The, I think their back line barring their nine and 10 is pretty decent and pretty balanced actually. Um, mm. so I'm, I'm looking forward to that and I don't see why McDermott and, and Gordon can't unleash the backs. The, the truth is, is, um, is the all black midfield is very, very solid on defense this season. Um Rico Ioannis have got a very, very good tackle record. Um, and, you know, Barrett's been smashing trees down. So you've got to try and figure out how to manipulate them into making a mistake. And then uh, I really believe that the the Aussie back three have, have got like, they, they, if you give them a look, they'll finish. And that's what you need to do. You need to manufacture that look so they can go on and, and go all the way. Um, yeah, interesting with... Um, with the loose trio, there's like, like the guys have got a lot of work to do. They've got a lot. They've also got a lot of work to do for Eddie, you know, like they not only it's a Bledisloe game and it's against the All Blacks and they haven't held the Bledisloe Cup in, in, in the century um, or last for that matter. Jokes. Um, So yeah, very, very interesting. I think Eddie Jones is, I think Eddie Jones is really looking for, players to play well individually but within their game plan. Uh, that's what he needs because some guys have just really not been playing well. So as he mentioned, it's like, you know, you fix a handbrake and then the steering wheel breaks kind of thing. Like there's constantly things to fix on his old car, the wallabies. So once they start gelling those, you know, two, three, four percent things better and they start connecting, then, you know, they they will be more competitive. But I don't think they're going to be competitive in this game.
0: Yeah, look, and I think the other, th- the other thing to note about, um, uh, there's a few things. I, lo- I think to be positive about this team, like you said, I think there is maybe more balance in the back line than there was before. Kellaway is much more of a natural fullback than um, Tom Wright was. Um, Jordi Pattaya can also give a-, a kicking option there at thirteen. Um, so there is at least a lot of experience around um, McDermott and Gordon. I think all of those players, except for Marky Mark, all have about 20 plus caps. So, you know, there's it's not like they're coming in with other rookies. And the the big positive, I think, for the Wallabies is both Angus Bell and Taniela Tupo are back and are set to play in the Rugby World Cup because that wasn't a given a few months ago when they got injured so they will have i mean that prop combination of bell alatoa slip and tupo that's a i mean that's as good as you can get in most countries it's and at least they can at least compete with most countries it's just that the drop off from (laughs) their fourth best prop to their fifth best prop is massive so at the very least they can at least be competitive in the scrums no more piatres duplicy unfortunately but they can at least do, uh, they can at least hold their own the scrums and do a bit of skullduggery there that Australians are known for. I,
1: I can't let my agenda, my scrum half wallaby agenda pass. Mm. Um. <laughs> so Gord, uh, oh man, I've just forgotten. McDermott. He signed, no, not McDermott. Gordon, it was, it was Jake Gordon. He signed yeah. for Toulouse, Toulon. In the French top 14, he signed as a Rugby World Cup joker, and he was going to be in France playing club rugby and obviously available for the Aussies if they needed him. And I do believe that Eddie Jones probably had a chat with him. So I think now, oh, anyway, so he suffered a concussion um, playing for Australia A, and um, Alan R., which is a French rugby federation, have said that he's on a stand down of six weeks. So his contract has been taken away. So he won't be there. Which, but there is going to be another Australian qualified nine in France. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, and
0: um, just putting it out there. Just to where <clears throat> Just saying. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But look, I think you're right, Sean. If the players can sort of play in their game plan and improve their performance, then it's a positive. Yeah, and I, I'm my expectations are. Not low in a negative way, but I just want Carter Gordon and Tate McDermott to just get through the game because we've seen many times in history when you play a young 9 and 10, especially against the All Blacks, you're pretty much setting them up for failure. Um, And then you never hear from them again. Yeah. And yeah, they can tell you all about that as well. So if they can just get through and at least look like competent, you know, everything else will fall into place um yeah just a few stats about the all blacks i mean Opta johnny um or you know from Opta stats released this um thread about the all blacks they in their last five um uh first halves in the rugby championship have conceded three or fewer points in the first half wow which That's is few- absolutely ridiculous so they go into halftime, they have whatever, usually probably a try or two, and the, oppos- the opponents have three or less.
1: That's so crazy, yeah.
0: it's clear that they're a, a fantastic first-half team. It falls a little bit off in the second half. They've had, I think now they've had like, I think in their nine-match winning streak, they've lost eight of the nine second halves or something along those lines, or seven or eight, one of the two. So there is a bit of a drop-off when the bench comes on. Maybe someone like Sam Whitelock being on the bench helps to solve that. Cam Roy got another big change. He's come in. He's going he's gonna to make his debut off the bench at nine. He's obviously much more dynamic than um, Vinay Christie. So maybe that helps. But yeah, I, if, if, if New Zealand has a good start, you, know, you can see Australian heads dropping like they did um, at Loftus you can definitely see a bit of a cricket score there. So Australia has to come out of that first 20 minutes in the game. I think they need to score a try. They need to get past that (laughs) three-point barrier and at least make it a respectable cricket score. And they need to hopefully limit New Zealand to a try, if not just a few penalties, if not less than 10 points, basically. If the first 20 minutes don't end with Australia like... 7.10 Seven, ten or seven, seven, or something along those lines, I think the game is pretty much over from there. they can't you can't really do too much about it and Another interesting stat that came out is New Zealand has the fastest track in the rugby championship at like just over two seconds, I think two point zero nine. Australia has the slowest track in the rugby championship with three point four one, and Papali Lee's been picked for this game with Kane out. Papa Lee's a bit more of a rack disruptor than Sam Kane is, like at least he's more of a pulferer than than Kane is. So you've got Papali and Adi Sevilla on, on the field. We know how good the likes of Barrett and White and, um, Ritalik are as well. So if the Wallabies haven't sorted out their cleaning, both in attack and in defense, again, this will be a long game. So I think the biggest thing to watch out for is how are the rucks? If New Zealand's getting rack ball as quick as they want and Ann Smith is able to spray the ball wherever, yeah you they can yeah i think the the scoreboard at the mcg is going to get some work as if steve smith is scoring a hundred but yeah if the wallabies have sorted out their rack issues which are long-term issues they precede eddie jones they precede probably even dave rennie if they are able to sort out those issues and clean accurately and grow that arm in the leg that they usually do with the home led slow cup game then at least we'll have a competitive match and this match could go down to the wire so yeah, I think the big change here is to see how they do. And I guess for me, Sean, that was the reason why they picked Tom Hooper. So they have two sort of like bodyguards there for the Rucks in Hooper and Holloway. So they have two people that are just going to, their, their, their um, what do you call it? Their mandate is just to clean bodies wherever. And they haven't gone for a, a, a pilferer in McWright or someone that can slow the ball down. Even Pete salmer has been dropped for the, from the squad as well, which I don't understand. So I think Hooper and um, uh, Holloway's role is sea rack hit as much as possible.
1: Very interesting. The Aussies have named a very, very tall back five as well, mm. which, yeah, interesting. I wanna s- I'm interested to see what they do. But yes, they, they're going to want to monster people. So, yeah, let's see how it goes.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I, some things are not uh, quite confusing to me about this team. I think if you were going to go for this big loose trio, why not have Pete Samu in your squad? I don't understand yeah. that because now you actually have three sixes that are in your 23 because Rob Leot is also on the bench and he's primarily a six. Dalatini actually literally plays six for the Brumbies as well. So you can argue have four sixes <laughs> as your loose forward options. So no Samu. No who Michael Hooper is still injured. That doesn't make sense. I do not understand what Jordan Ulessi is still doing in the squad. He can't throw. I think he just looks like a rugby player. He doesn't really play as well as one does. So yeah, Fying, uh, there's so many hookers that are better than Jordan Ulessi who gets another chance. And then on the New Zealand side, speaking of players that look like rugby players, yeah, Caleb Clark again, in the match 23 somehow, some way, some way. And yeah, Sean, sure, unfortunately, your Leicester, Leicester Fanganuku agenda seems like it won't make the Rugby World Cup, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, that him and Sean Stevenson. Oh. But yeah. yeah, I would love Lester to, to be playing, but at least Anton Leonard-Brown's back. I'm very interested to mm. see how they start working that when everyone's fit that midfield. I have a sneaky suspicion they would want to start Leonard Brown and Barrett. Geordie. Mm. So
0: is uh, it a suspicion or is it that's what you want to happen? <laughs>
1: no, I think they will. I think they will mm. start. But uh, Leonard Brown and Geordie Barrett both both fit comfortably on the bench because they cover so many positions. So does um Bowden Barrett. But I don't know what they'll do. I really don't. Like has Geordie done enough to secure that 12 jumper? I think he has, but I don't think the... the You can't not have Leonard Brown start if he's fit. So what do you do?
0: Yeah. Look, at the very least, it makes their bench again a lot stronger having Anton Leonard Brown instead of Brayden Enor. And we know that ALB can cover 12 and 13. If, yeah, like we have said many times in the pod before, like... You there's one too many mistakes from Rico or Jordi, you want to see him at fullback because you're having a team that kicks a lot. Yeah, you can definitely put an ALB in either 12 or 13 and it can work. He can definitely work with both players. So that's, yeah, I think that's that bench for New Zealand. Hopefully, uh, for their sakes, the gap between the first half and the second half performances starts to close now that ALB and clock are, are on that bench.
1: Hmm. Whitelock's also making a massive milestone this weekend if he comes on. I hate – when people are – when rugby players are named on the bench, like if he comes on, yes, he's coming on. We all know he's mm-hmm. coming on. The only players that don't always make the field are player 23 when South African name is 6'2 bench. So – um, <clears> or <throat> oh, sorry, player 22 or 23 depending on on injuries. But Sam Whitelock, does he not – I think he will become the most capped rugby championship all-black uh, yes. when he comes on and he also there's something else he Shut ties up. for I the forgot. most
0: bledisloe cup games
1: ah yes so he's uh and 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 he's going to the world cup in france and he can just pack his whole house because he signed for section so <laughs> you know then he'll just just move move and go visit his brother and go play club rugby there so it's all easy peasy lemon squeezy
0: <laughs> yeah So, Sean, I think you've alluded to it earlier. Yeah, what's going to be the squad lunch here?
1: (laughs) Well played. The rain will not. We've got good weather forecast, so it's all good. It's going to. (laughs) We're going to get a full day's play, and um, I I think the Aussies are a little bit uh, suspect, um, a little bit suspect up front and and with the tails. So they're going to probably lose lose a couple of early wickets. So. I reckon they'll, after day one, they'll be six down and probably only scored about 71 points. Scored push, run, <laughs> runs, runs, 671. So yeah, I think, I think they'll, I don't even know if they'll score a try. They should be able to, but I reckon the All Blacks win by about 30 or 40 points. Mm. Someone I spoke to should today I? said they'd win by 100. Legit. <laughs>
0: I shame. I think this is going to be a game where the Wallabies look at least a lot better than they did. I think they will get thrashed next week at Dunedin, but yeah, I.
1: That's a good at shot. At least for
0: Eddie's sake. Yeah. And for Eddie's sake, saw. I hope. Yeah. For Eddie's sake and for strain rugby's sake, I hope this game is competitive. But like I said, if the first 20 minutes aren't close, aren't at least a score or much closer than that, if it's. You know, 20 points to three or whatever the case is, yeah, it's game over. Australia, yeah, they, I think, put on the subs, yeah, it's it's, it's pretty much overs, good from there. So, Sean, sure, let's quickly do a very quick roundup of other rugby news happening all over the world. So, A, I guess you can call it a Pacific Nations Cup of sorts is still happening, and Samoa is playing Fiji this weekend. Samoa's made a, a few changes. Fiji's made a lot more. Fiji's, um, for example, starting Semi Radra, um, Tusova and um and botea aren't playing in this game, for example. They've basically are giving other players a chance there. Um, Samoa's made a few changes themselves. Stephen Lotto is making his debut for, for, for Argentina, for Samoa. And um, the American, former American player Titi Lamositele is also making his debut off the bench, probably. So, yeah. But I think the interesting thing for the Fiji squad is um, Pesele Liato, he's made the decision to um, go back to his club in Clermont. So he's withdrawn from the Rugby World Cup preparations. I mean, Sean, we've seen this issue many times before World Cup. You know, the French squads or the French teams you know, they call up their number and they say, look, you want to play here? You better, you know, basically withdraw from the international um, rugby. Not really much to do. And I think interestingly enough, I mean, you know, yeah, know, tier two rugby, at tier two, at T2 rugby, he made a very interesting argument that he basically supported what the clubs were doing, saying that, you know, they're the ones that pay the salaries and, and the French top 14 basically Gives a lot of the tier two, or gives more of the tier two players like a livelihood than any other league. So he was basically defending them and saying like the players don't really have much of a choice, which I get. It's just as a sucky situation, I think, because you again don't have the best rugby players playing in the rugby world cup.
1: I also did see something along the line that Pasiliauto um, might have had a little bit of a uh, butted heads with the coach. So there's also that floating mm. around, but that doesn't take away from what we've seen. I mean, how often have we watched this movie? We watch it every mm. four years for a world cup. And then when Fiji played in the autumn nation series, we saw little bits of it as well. So yeah, it's not great. Um, but you know, it's uh, such a tough one. And like, oh. I don't know. I I can't, I can't justify it, but you can justify it. When, when you look at guys that are like supporting their families, you know, Mm. playing away from home and all that sort of stuff, you know, you don't really want to, you don't want to be put in that position of like, go do what you're passionate about for your country versus your job, you know? Um, And unfortunately the countries are probably going to lose out more often than not. um, Especially when it comes to, to France because of the money <laughs> so yeah it sucks but we say it every year and I just hope that they the all the every team has access to every single player that they want you know so I mean the South yeah. Africans are under pressure with that a, a lot as well if we hadn't won the mm. World Cup in 2019 a lot of those things would have happened vast much dif- much more different much more different differently I don't know So excuse me while I struggle with English. Um, but you know, if we hadn't won the world cup and weren't like such a high profile side, we would have seen things very different. Like, um, it's like, if you think about it, like when we were languishing in close to the top 10 in the world, um, you know, players would have comfortably made that decision. Like, would it, would it matter playing for the Springboks as much as, like, you know, when that decision comes, you're like, it's not worth my club contract. Well, now they're playing for the Springboks. Like, if they don't get a contract in France, they're like, yeah, cool. I'll go to England or Japan because I've, I've got, like, massive clouts, you know?
0: Yeah, look, it's a difficult one, I think. The only positive I see is maybe Yato can come back and he. Um, yeah, you know, I can't say his surname. The lock that plays for London Irish, Ratu van There we go. Because, um, but his situation is different, I think, because he, yeah, he played for London Irish. Irish is an administration. He kind of needs to secure his, you know, longer term future by trying to get a, a, a contract. He has one, but because yeah. the top fourteen is going on a break during the Rugby World Cup, maybe the possibility is there that Yato's added you know, yeah, a few yeah. weeks before the World Cup happens. Maybe.
1: But, uh, but you, you're right. They do take a break. They play three rounds before the World Cup, eh? They play full yeah, three rounds. So I mean, the French. The French be I, mean the French. I'm going to give his surname a bash. It's Api Ratuni yarawa But listen, uh, I wanted to say his name, good. not because I wanted to say his name, but, you know, he's also 37 years old. <laughs> and <laughs> I've watched him play. Like, I watched him play for the Exiles this year. Like, he's very handy. Oh, he's yeah. very handy. For 37-year-olds. Yeah,
0: I mean he's good. Speaking of 37-year-olds, I was just gonna about to make the point that Japan's playing, playing Tonga, both teams relatively rotated. You know, yeah. Obviously, uh, more of those um <laughs> Tongan exiles coming in um to the team this week. I wanted to make a point that I was looking through the Japanese team. I mean, Japan's under some pressure, they need to improve their performances. Number sixteen is Shotahori, and I was like, "There's no way he's still playing." And he's actually thirty-seven years old. Speaking of thirty-seven, what? Years old. I, I saw, have I saw no idea play. how he's still playing. I saw um, him
1: play when Japan played New Zealand A side. Um, mm. I was watching him, so he actually looks like I didn't realize he was thirty-seven. Shit, um, he he looks the <laughs> same. He's got like those, He's still got his dreads, and it's just a it's carnage. Um, but yeah, thirty-seven. Wow, he's been around forever though. Like let's be fair
0: yeah no he's yeah if he told me he started rugby in japan i wouldn't be surprised but yeah look it's gonna be interesting i think this weekend's games are all you know they're, it's not the first team from these four nations so yeah i think it's about it's about seeing who plays well in terms of players but yeah samoa's been on a good run against them um, the other sort of like tier 2 nations I think Japan just needs a result, so they need to get a win. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, the momentum is built because as we talked about sneak peek into one of our rugby bits and pieces um, um, episodes, we, you know, talk through at least all of the rugby world cup teams. And, yeah, there's an opportunity for some of these countries to make a run in the World Cup, especially Fiji, Samoa and Japan, given their groups. So you want things to be coming together for them at this point. Then Namibia's is playing Argentina this weekend, an Argent- Argentinian uh, 15, so I guess uh, second, third team. And then a big clash in South America is Uruguay playing Chile. So, yeah, that obviously is big preparation for both of the teams. Um, and, yeah, I think that will be quite explosive. I assume both teams will have their full complement, except Uruguay... Um, gave the news that um, Santi Arata um, injured his finger, so he won't be available for the warm-up games, unfortunately. Oh, that sucks for them. Yeah, I, it sounds like he's still going to be available for the World Cup. Okay. So yeah, let's hold hope there. And then as you mentioned earlier, Sean, Scotland's playing Italy this weekend. Looking through the two teams, I think both teams are pretty much just experimenting, trying things out. Certain players, uh, the the big, big stars on playing in both sides. No Finn Russell, no Paolo Garbisi, et cetera, et cetera. But still some interesting uh, teams in, on both sides. Rory Dodge is captaining Scotland. Um, you have um, Lorenzo Pani and Thomas Menoncello playing for Italy. I think, yeah... I, I wouldn't use this game to try and see and learn about you know where these two teams are. It's I think this is almost more of an individual trial for certain players just to see you know if they can make you know the World Cup squad or make the 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 big the match twenty three for big games. Um, yeah, both teams I think are let's say B plus teams, not maybe the um, full B teams. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's also a lot of these teams like for this week and next week, it's essentially first game back after preseason of the season. Yeah. It's really challenging. Um, you know, expecting everyone to, there will be the odd team, but expecting teams to, to be like hitting their straps. Now, I think firstly, the coaches wouldn't want it. (laughs) Like be honest here. Um, they want you rather Mm. hitting your straps in, in, in 44 days time. um, so so yeah, it's gonna be gonna be interesting. But you know, <clears throat> there's Six Nations rivals, and often Six Nation f- fighters outers for the wooden spooners. So you know, there's a lot of history.
0: <laughs> fighters outers for wooden spooners. Um, yeah, another interesting thing is Ben Healy's starting for Scotland. He's obviously, yeah, he's changed from Munster and he's now um, pledged his allegiance to Scotland. So that's going to be interesting um yeah so I, and I blake Kinghorn is a... on
1: the bench as well even after yeah after hog is is retired and Kinghorn's still on the bench mm-hmm. <laughs> so.
0: yeah look ollie smith isn't bad no. I, I i wouldn't start him as the number 15 but i think he's a decent option so i think that's sort of the worst shout in the world
1: so Duan Funda is not of not playing, he's not available. I don't know what mm-hmm. for. I don't think he's injured, but I'm I'm not sure. So Karl Stan's moved to the left. Yeah. But they've also mm-hmm. they've made quite a few changes in the in their loose. Like they've made changes. Like there's a lot of changes. Stafford McDowell, mm-hmm. I think he's on debut at twelve. Yes. Um Chris Harris, um, outside center, so he's there. So there's that at least. But the, you're right. It's a even on the bench, like the so yeah, it's a, it's a mix and match. I think it's just like get the cobwebs out and put your hand up, kind of kind of a game. Mm.
0: Yeah, just very quickly, we have not had a new squad announced by um, Steve Borthwick in the last four days, which I think is a cause for celebration. So
1: Unheard it's, of. It's- but Mondays are the days, bro. <laughs> Mondays or well, Sunday nights. I is like. it Sunday nights. Sunday nights. He drops him at like 10 o'clock. Uh, s- South African time, Sunday nights. There you go. Ba-bam. <laughs>
0: I was just about to give him credit and say, "Oh, look at the improvement and everything." But yeah, <laughs> so the Six Nations teams are all basically back in action next week, Saturday. So you'll start to see some whispers and things coming out. For example, Franck Rau, he's been uh, marked as unavailable for the Scotland game next week. So yeah, I think next week Saturday we'll start the puzzle pieces will start be, start to fall on onto the onto the mat there, and, and we can see what's happening in the regular world. But yeah, I think they, that is everything. With, and actually, one more thing, Sean. A big, big, or two big results happened in the under-20 um, challenge um, this weekend. Yes. Or this week, sorry. Number one, Spain beating Samoa, and they've entered into the final. And they are facing Uruguay, who beat Scotland. Jeez. Um in a yeah, I mean, some of the tries were like basically end to end tries that were happening there, so these are big results in under twenty. It means that one of Spain or Uruguay is going to win and qualify for the under twenty world championships next year. That is a ridiculously massive result I mean, the Scotland's thing is quite bad, um, but the Spain and Uruguay opportunity is massive yeah, yeah,
1: huge. And, and the, it, the best part is it was, it was two upsets <laughs> like, mm. um, and, uh, and the final and, oh man, I'm, I'm so pumped. It's going to be great. Um, a steep learning curve for them next year when they do play in the under 20 champs, but yeah, basically the tier two sides I, at under 20 level and at senior level have been rocking the boat for the last two seasons, season and a bit. So lots, lots happening. Very, very interesting times ahead.
0: Yeah, it's that gap is closing slowly but surely, and yeah, these big teams that yeah, I think the the old old established teams they need to pull finger. I mean, Scotland apparently hasn't has only won one Six Nations game in the last three years in the under twenty Six Nations, and they're effectively now fifteenth or sixteenth best under twenty team in the world, which is horrible. But yeah, Chaos. I mean for Europe. Yeah, for Uruguay, obviously they're in the World Cup. They seem to be in in the middle of a good generation, so this will be good for them. But, I mean, for Spain, this could be also brilliant for them. I mean, they've been unlucky, to to say the least, with their World Cup qualification efforts. And, yeah, they also want to be, you know, getting closer to that, you know, Georgia, Romania, Portugal level, and this will put them in good stead as well. So, Hmm. I mean, both of these teams... I think, an under-20, an appearance at least in the Junior World Cup next season and an opportunity to, I mean, I think both teams will be like, oh, we can, you know, we fancy our chances against Japan or Fiji or whoever the case is at at the bottom of the log. So, yeah, there's a big opportunity for them to hopefully have maybe a year or two or four four more in, in in the top league, and that will be big for their development in the next few years. Absolutely. Okay. I think we can end the podcast on that. Sean, you have, just to make sure, you've predicted Springboks and New Zealand to win this weekend, which means the All Blacks win the Rugby Championship, right? Correct. Yeah. I think it's basically the Rugby Championship of the All Blacks. This, yeah. I mean, for the Springboks to win the Rugby Championship, actually, Argentina has a chance as well. But yeah, they would need the All Blacks to lose and to lose you know, in a uh, very comfortably. And then yeah, it'll basically be a shootout between those two sides, which should be very interesting. But yeah, thank you for joining us for our only box podcast.
1: <laughs> just sorry. <laughs> on that,
0: for...
1: Oh, that yes. is brilliant. I'm so sorry. That is sensational. Um, but <laughs> just on that, if South Africa and New Zealand finish on the um, same group points, I think the all blacks win because they beat us. I think it's head oh, to so head. I think, I think it goes head to head and then points difference, or points difference and then head to head. But it's really, really slim shot. I am, I'm, I, I, I am sucking thumb here. It's just from memory. I think that's how it works.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to yeah. So New Zealand's on ten points. Um, Box and Argentina are both on five. So yeah, a big loss for New Zealand. No bonus points, and basically whoever wins with a bonus point in those two games probably also needs to make up some points difference, and then, like you said, it might be on HTS, so it might be null and void. But I, I think it might be points difference first, Sean. It might be, be, but I'm, be. I'm not sure about that. So yeah, you'd have to make up a 28 points difference. So yeah, go to Wallabies. And <laughs> <laughs> with that big yeah rallying cry <laughs> of now putting your hopes in the Wallabies, I think let's end the podcast there. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Rugby Fist podcast. Hopefully you can listen to this before the, the the weekend's test matches. There's a lot happening in the rugby world as we're building up to the Rugby World Cup. Please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Make sure it's shared with the rest of the rugby world. Thank you so much. Sean, we have reached our... You can actually make the announcement. We reached a big milestone this week.
1: Yes, we hit 50,000 downloads. Um, but more importantly, our podcast last week um, smashed our listener listenership record for one podcast in a week um Mm -hmm. so pretty stoked about that like that's pretty pretty good going
0: so yeah we can only thank our our amazing dirt trackers for listening and supporting the podcast thank you so much for the feedback as well and our baby bits and pieces you can look forward to a few of them coming out in the next few weeks probably on the monday or tuesday usually but yeah something to chew over before we review and preview the big matches happening and yes, um, follow us on social media. Make sure you annoy Cooks and Jared on social media as well. And we will see you again next Just week. Bye-bye. Sorry,
1: I'm going to quickly, quickly jump in. Uh, rugby championship reversed. in the event of two or more teams being equal in competition points in any position on the competition table. Such a position shall be determined by the team with the most wins. After that, it will be head to head. So we're, we're in trouble. So we've
0: lost. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, you guys have a great weekend. Tala, thanks so much, my man.
0: <laughs> Bye-bye, everyone.